Welcome to SelfDiscoveryRadio.com, where the orchard of wisdom is just ready for picking. We celebrate your why, the journey that you've taken that inspires someone else. We support your services. We support your story. Come and be our guest. Become a host. Be an author with us. Come and see what we've got. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Story Matters, and Happy New Year. Welcome to another wonderful new year, and more shows coming to you from selfdiscoveryradiotv.com, and from me, your host, Sarah Troy. I have a wonderful guest with me to start the year off today, somebody who's very, very brave, very creative, and has put those two things together. She suffers from blindness, but that doesn't hold her back. The actual um, what it is she's got, I'm going to let you say because it's really complicated words, and I don't want to do that injustice. But it's Amy Boviard that I have here today, thriving with vision and uh, hearing loss. I mean, to lose both or to be losing both is very difficult. So I'm really um, very proud of her here today, doing both the audio and the video with us. And sometimes you may have to ask me to repeat something, which is perfectly okay. She was diagnosed at the age of 28 with, I'm going to try it, uh, retinitis pigmentosia. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, which declared her legally blind. Um, It's hereditary. It's a degenerative eye disease that results in blindness or near blindness. There's no cure to date. Uh, Amy has a peripheral vision. She jokes that she's at the end of the tunnel vision in her eyesight. She suffers from dual disability, progressive vision and hearing loss, which is also due to Usher syndrome, the leading cause of death and blindness in the world. That doesn't stop her though, because she's an author and she's written quite a number of books, which we're going to be talking about today. And she has a new book coming out, uh, The Tree Man, which is around her father and uh, another book, a traveling book called Falling for Ecuador, one foot in the Ecuador and the other foot in the vine. And all of these can be found on Whisper Sync Ready for people who are um, visually impaired. So I always celebrate people that are willing to accept their challenges in life, no matter what they are, and to step forth into what they can do instead of feeding what they can't. And so this is absolutely wonderful to see someone so spirited in embracing everything she can do and not being caught up in the quote disability. So welcome to the show, Amy. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. I'm really excited to start the year off this way. Yes, it's a wonderful way to start off the year. And, you know, as I said, it's funny because things come in kind of sequences for me. And I just interviewed somebody who is blind and it's beyond eyesight is the name of her show. And it's, you know, but she's at that stage where having been blind in one eye all her life, now going blind in the other in that transition of all her creative talents because she's an artist of what does it mean for her now you have had this since you were young so this is something you've grown up with so you're accustomed to it or was there a transition into it for you there was a transition uh it's a a very gradual thing for me with for everyone it's different Mm -hmm. the, the disease is called retinitis pigmentosa so the pigment there is a pigment that covers your eye and for some people, it's rapid. For some people, it's gradual. Mm-hmm. Depends on a lot of different qualities of the person, characteristics. So for me, 
I continue, I, I made a decision to continue with my life as a teacher overseas. Mm -hmm. And then when I was diagnosed with it, after I was diagnosed with it, I thought, oh yeah, I don't, I don't really have the bad kind of this because I kept adapting. Mm -hmm. In 2006, I came back to the United States and tried to, uh, to write for those two years. And then I thought, well, gosh, this is a little bit harder than I thought. So I went back to teaching and it was like I stepped off a cliff. It, the, I kept tripping over steps, running into walls, I, I, th I thought my students might think I was the town drunk. <laughs> so it was a really difficult transition for me. It was so sudden and it just made it like, oh, I am really losing my sight. This is, this is, not, a, uh, this is not a condition that I can really say, oh, I'm, I'm just going to go on with. So I had to make a decision to get some help. Yes. That's the big thing though, isn't it? You know, um, there's the independence and there's the, you know, the ability to ride through something or rise above it. But there's at some point you've got to go, this is, you know, I'm out of my depth here. Uh, this is too much of a change and I need guidance and help, you know, as to what the next, because it's not the end of your story. It just means your story is changing. Um, it's, it's guidelines, isn't it? You know, total new chapters coming up for you. Yes. I'm sorry? Total new chapters coming up for you. You know, your story has been one way. Now you have to completely rewrite it another. That, that is so true. So true. And it takes, it ta I think it takes a lot of courage to step, mm. take that next step. As you know, as you're saying tap with a cane, tapping it. It's just really a big, a big transition. And but once you start taking that those steps to go and move the neck to the next step i guess you could mm -hmm. say then it is so amazing how little by little by little by little you can accomplish your goals right yes you know it's not feeding the challenge that you've been given it's observing it as a part of you but it's also realizing you have other senses that you can ignite right? And other things that you can do, different ways of doing something that you're already doing, but it's it just a relearning curve, isn't it? It is, absolutely. My mobility instructor told me that uh, when we did our first walk, uh, quote unquote blind walk, mm -hmm. I wore sleep shades over my eyes and I walked down the street from my house and crossed a bridge into the next city over and came back. And when we came back, I said, wow, we are right at my house again. And I had asked my mobility instructor some things. How do I cross the street? He said, you have to come back. After, I was so amazed. He was completely blind, my mobility instructor. Right. Completely. Yes. And so I said, how, I was in your world and you were in mine. Yeah. And he said, Amy, there is only one world mm -hmm. that you, uh, you can at times you can see it when uh, with your eyes and at other times you have to see it in, a, in another way. But it's only one world and mm -hmm. we see it uh, in two different ways. We perceive it different ways. It's it the, was, the inside well, out, isn't it? We rely so much on our eyes as to understanding what we see. When you're not using your eyes, you have a different comprehension of what your inner eye is seeing because you feel what you see, right? Or what you're not seeing. 
yes, all those absolutely. other senses click in. So everything becomes sensory by sound, by touch, by feeling, and that gives you a different form of sight. Absolutely, yes. And smell, smell yes, too. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what sense came onto you stronger first? What came stronger? The, yes, the, the sensory, you oh. know, to replace the eyesight. What, uh, what sense kind of really peaked up for you? It was smell and hearing. And mm -hmm. even though hearing is a weaker area for me, but like he, he would take me to a train track and he would tell me, what do you hear? And I, he would say that, that these are clues that, mm. you, that let you know where you are in your environment. Oh, it was so actually, it, was, it started to be exciting. Yes. Yes, because you know, one moment you're feeling debilitated. I can't see anymore, right? And the next moment he's giving you your power back. By showing, right. You, right. showing you how to see in a different way. And so it's a whole new exploration, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And he always seemed to tune in like he knew where other people were there. And he taught me little things just by example, like putting out my hand first, shaking it. That would give me confidence. Yeah. And uh, that I can, so people have to see my hand. I don't have to look for their hand. Right. Just yeah. wonderful little tiny tidbits. And he didn't also, he also didn't uh, mince words. Like, for example, when we were doing our first mobility training outside in the city next to where I live, there was a block party and a roar to the shore with, I don't know, 8,000 motorcyclers wow. around. And I was using my cane for the first time in that area. And there was a woman said, Hey, Hey lady, look, that's an $8,000 paint job. And he said, Oh, didn't I tell you the roar to the shore is on right now. So it wasn't, I was like terrified that I heard something and he's like saying, it's okay. It's okay. There's something different going on. Mm -hmm. And it just was like so straightforward. Yeah. It was humorous. It became humorous. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you find people perceive you differently now? Yes. They make a wide berth around me, and I don't know that they're afraid of me, or they think that I'm going to trip on them, or, you know, they, but they, they do uh, treat me a little bit differently until I put them at ease. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then it's it's really me putting them at ease that puts us back on an even keel. Right. Yeah, you know, don't see my, quote, disability, see me. Yeah, I'm yeah, still the exactly. same person. I'm just having to adapt you know, how I interact in life, but I'm still the same person. It's, um, you know, as, as my friend that I just interviewed uh, said, you know, that when people realized she was blind, they started shouting at her because well, I'm not deaf, I just can't see. So yeah, yes. people are under an enormous amount of perception when somebody has an obstacle like this, aren't they, of how to treat them. And it, as you say, a lot of people move away because they just don't know. And really what you're saying is, just treat me like you always have, but understand that, you know, I, I have the vision impairment. So don't put obstacles in my way. I'm going to trip over or warn me if there's something there. That's all right. Yes. And I think there was a period of uh, about a year or two years where I was still getting used to it and was afraid to tell people the mm -hmm. things that I needed. I would, there's one story I wrote about staying overnight at a woman's house she, uh, I didn't, I was afraid to tell her I couldn't see where her furniture was. 
So I made this big deal about sitting on the floor, how much I love the floor, <laughs> instead of telling her, wow, I can't see your furniture. Where is that chair? <laughs> she, on the other hand, was afraid I was going to fall down the stairs. So every time I went near that, uh, the basement door, she'd say, close that basement door. <laughs> it was really a cross, uh, a cross section of fear that we didn't communicate, mm. you know. And I, I find that very interesting later looking back at it. Yeah. The, and of course, of you've, written, you've written a book called that, you know, Cain Confessions, right? Which I think is a, an excellent read for anybody that's facing, you know, some challenges. But it's also an excellent book for other people to read. If you have somebody that you know, or you're in an environment where you know that, you know, somebody is blind, if by your confessions, they actually have an education themselves of how to interact with you or what to do or when to step up, right? And of Absolutely. course, if somebody says to you, can I help you? Or can I guide you across the street? You're not affronted to go, oh, I can do it myself. It's that you recognize it as a kind act. And yes, thank you very much. That's very, very nice, isn't it? But some people yes. are too scared to come up in case they, they upset you or you, know, or, or you perceive it as you're incapable. Kindness and nicety doesn't matter. We'd like it at all times, no matter what, right? It's, yeah, that's true. Yes. There is a campaign now uh, going on by another vision-impaired woman that I know that she's ask, ask first, don't grab, you know, mm -hmm. you know to help somebody. Like, mm -hmm. ask, you need help. Yes. And, um, she has some stories about that. I have not had any of those experiences. I have always had a lot of more positive experiences. Excellent. But... Yes. Which is important. So, you know, I can imagine the confession, so, you know, um, would be really interesting because, again, it's a learning curve for you. You know, you're now learning to, to um, see in a different way um, and your life changes. And, of course, you know, it always translates, isn't it? What you're hearing will give you an inner vision. And the fact that you, you have seen for most of your life when it's um, when you hear something, you can recognize it and visualize it in your own head. It's not like you were born blind and have no reference. You have reference to draw from, don't you? Yes, that's correct. Yes, I, I yes, I have reference to so to everything. It's just I don't know where it is, and sometimes I don't know where a person is, and I'm talking to her, and she goes out of my vision. I'm like. Where did you go? <laughs> mm, yeah. She's, she's been right there. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of funny. Uh, kind of strange funny. Yes. Yeah. But, but, I mean, again, that's something I think you have to have is a little humor along this. Don't take yourself or the situation too seriously. Oh, yes. I have, you have to have, you absolutely have to have a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, we both know um, Maxwell Ivory, the blind blogger. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I think I, I was one of his first interviews and I interviewed him because of what an article that he'd written as, you know, as a blogger. And of course, now he's, you know, a podcaster, he's an author, he's a coach. And he went off to New York, you know, on his own over Christmas and New Year, you know, as no assistance, nothing. And just so many people willing to step up and help him you know, take, photograph it. So he has a, a journal of it and, uh, and just assist him because quite essentially people are kind and they like to step up and help somebody else, don't they? That's correct. Yeah. Yes. 
uh, trying to think of some of the things that happened. When I, uh, I, I was in the department store, uh, like Lowe's, trying to find a trellis. And I wasn't quite even sure what a trellis looked like. So, <laughs> so I was asking the, the clerk and I didn't see, he said, follow me. So he's a really tall guy, like seven foot tall or something. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying really hard to keep up with them, running, running, running. And I didn't see a wagon that was, in me, that, that was in my way. So I torpedoed out over the wagon and I looked up and he said, Madame, are you okay? I said, oh yes, yes, I'm, I'm, always, I'm quite used to this. And uh, I don't know, I made some joke. And then uh, I went on, we continued on and he showed me where the trellises were, uh, the area where they were, but not exactly the exact location. And I went in, I finally found them, and I got two of them. And I went, and, and there a lady offered, as you said, offered to help me. And I said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, I see the trellises. And I, I went to take them. They all fell on my head. Oh no! There were like three or four trellises. I was like, "Here I am, underneath the pile of trellises." <laughs> I, the woman had gone, so I had to figure out how to extricate myself out of the, out of the trellises. It was so funny later, looking back at it, <coughs> at how when we do and don't accept help. And yes. What? How people perceive? perceive yeah. Yeah, this is kind of like a comic skit, you know, what yeah. you're doing there. But, but, you know, I mean, there's only so many times you can fall before those falls begin to hurt. Oh. So, you know, <laughs> are you actually taught, you know, when you're learning a cane, a, uh, how to use a cane, in actual how to fall? Because it's inevitable you are going to. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they even taught me, like, uh, like a football player, like to cover your, he- your head right. so that... If you, uh, like, uh, I used to run into my breakfast bar a lot and get all kinds of <laughs> bumps on my head. So he said, no, you got to be like a football player. And you got to, when you bend over, you yeah. know. So I started to have to learn these other, if I didn't have a cane with me at that moment. Mm-hmm. You know? And, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, can imagine, yes, sometimes the cane's a bit of a pain because it takes up a hand. But yeah. really, in all honesty, it also gives people the knowledge that you know your sight challenged and to get out of your way yeah yeah <laughs> most of the time people do uh there's a few times where they're just like they're totally oblivious and the other thing is asking for directions when you're inside <laughs> a door i had to learn to be very specific and say not say where is such and such a place that but can you take me there because they would say it's over there or it's <laughs> and it's in aisle nine or in something and I'd be like uh where exactly is that yes and is so your it, nine in braille <laughs> <laughs> is there something yeah. you you know compress and guess you're in aisle nine yeah because they don't really cater to that do they yeah 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 I'm, have you I'm, found I'm, that there's improvements you know yeah. you know that you know I know that you know, I mean, obviously some technology today is absolutely amazing for, for Braille, yeah. or, you know, being able to speak into instruments and they can type for you and, you know, and answer phones and all of that type of thing. But um, are you finding that, you know, like people in a wheelchair for so long didn't have accessibility, are you finding that um, being blind that, uh, in you know, shops and malls and things like this have become a little more friendly towards it or is it still the same? 
uh, it's changing. Like the supermarket just uh, in my area, they, uh, a couple months ago, they have a, a new app that, you, that there is someone who remotely guides you huh. to do your shopping. And, and the only problem is you, you have to be like an octopus. You have to have like eight legs. You know, you have your, your purse in one, you have the, your cell phone in the other. It's pointed toward the shelf. You've got your cane in another hand. So it's got, you got to yes. be good at maneuvering. Right. And, and, they're, and then you have to listen to what they're asking you. So I think, it, uh, oh, I, have, I have seen, it looks like people that are completely blind using it much more easily than me. So I don't know if it was just me uh, having all these things in my arms and, and trying to find things, or if it is they need to make work out a few kinks. Right. Oh, you know, maybe, you know, the push cart, your bag and the cane in the cart, because you've got the cart to hold on to, and yeah. then you can use, you know, the, the phone and just plonk everything into the cart. So that might be a way of doing it. And then you're not having to hold the cane and worry about your bag. So yes, that, that's yeah. an option. Yeah. Although sometimes, you know, and also the, the, the person remotely guiding you guides you around other obstacles, ideally. Ideally. So, um, yes. I mean, I know there's some stores where it's actual humans that help you around. So are there still, you know, the stores that you can go to there and say, you know, visually impaired, I need help and for someone to go around with me? Or are they relying on the virtual now? No, they're, they're, you, can, you can ask for help. You're right. And they will help you. You have to be very clear, you know, yes. in, in that you need help. Some sometimes uh, I went to uh, one of the grocery stores and I asked them where the location of a couple a couple things were and they told me in aisle such and such and they wrote it down for me so they didn't <laughs> really take me. <laughs> Did they write it in braille? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes it doesn't click, does it? You know, you're saying, I can't see. Can you tell me where it is? Oh, here it is, a piece of paper. But I can't see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think for some people, they just don't click. Uh, and it's, um, you know, it's, that, that's your problem, right? Um, have you found any negativity towards, from people towards you? No, I've been very fortunate. I haven't really. I have had a, a situation where they... Uh, the, the, a clerk presumed that I could not see to write. And when I went to, I, I went to sign the card, uh, like for a credit, you know, mm -hmm. and that person said, Oh no, no, just put a, just put a scribble, you know, and, and, uh, and Oh, here, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I think it just made him so nervous that he saw my cane. And I'm like, no, I just need to look at the little gray box and sign my name. Mm. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, so I think that there's a lot of education that needs to be yes. out there to let people know that there are degrees of vision loss. Yes. And if you are using a cane, you don't have, it's not like all or nothing. It's not, I'm completely blind or completely sighted. There's this whole interim in between there and people don't know that. Right. And I didn't know that before I started using my cane either. Right. So. And of course, you know, the other perception is, 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 of course, where you're blind and then you can't do anything. And of course, you're an author, you're a speaker, and you get out and about. And it's just, again, it's just changing the way you're doing things, adapting to a new way of doing it, obviously. Um, but I think that goes with anyone in life when they have a physical challenge that they're given, is that you're not the same person you used to be. 
that doesn't mean yeah. you throw yourself out in the bath water, right? It means you take everything that is the heart and soul of you and you just use it in a different way. And, you know, become a, a person that just uses a different limb, that's all. But the transition period, I think, going, you know, for people is uh, really hard because we obviously become very reliant on our eyes, you know, as to what we see. And to suddenly not have it there or have it very blurry and to miss out on some things too. And you've got the emotional loss as well as the physical loss and the retraining. And having compassion from other people and understanding helps you get there, doesn't it? Because I imagine there's a lot of maybe anger, upset, fear about how is your life going to be now? Yes, absolutely. It has it has changed a lot because the the perception in society is when you have a cane, you can't really accomplish much. Mm -hmm. That's the initial perception. And as we are doing more and more, we, vision impaired people, are doing more and more things to change this perception, then people are learning and, and, and opening up more. It, it, it's both ways. Like, for example, um, they, they, didn't know, they don't know the challenges, so you have to share the challenges. And on the other hand, they don't think that, it, it, that we are as capable of doing things, and so you have to share those accomplishments. Right. So there are, it, it's, it's in both spectrums what we can do and what we cannot do. So I think it's really important to have a dialogue with yeah. people, and that's what I, I want my book to do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I started blogging about some of the challenges and the humor that I saw in these challenges and ways that I addressed them. And a lot of sighted people read my blog and said, I never had it. I never had any idea. Of exactly. that it was yes. And so I felt that it, I, I began to feel that it was a really strong bridge and it made me approachable. Mm -hmm. So therefore the, 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 the lessons or the, 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 the things that I wanted to teach were, were much easier to convey. Now, you've also written a book, Mo Mobility Matters and Seeking Solace. In which order did they come in? Mobility Matters, Stepping Out in Faith was the first one. And it was about a year of my life when I had two teaching jobs, uh, one at a university, one at a, um, a high school teaching Spanish. That, and, and it was really me coming to terms with my vision loss and the fact that I had to use a cane because I, for 20 years I had kept my vision loss a secret because mm -hmm. I was a traveler and I was a teacher overseas and, you know, I didn't want people to know that I couldn't do this. That maybe it would even make me ineligible for a job. Mm -hmm. So I just kept silent and all of a sudden now... Uh, I have this cane and people are starting to see. So I used, I went at the start of that year, I pretended that I, I, I didn't show my cane to anybody. And it's really, that book is the journey of how God put people in my life, certain people and my, my principle, especially to help me come accept myself as I was. And to also, uh, to realize that my life was not uh, over, that my right. life would continue on in a different way. Redirect. Uh, so I, yes. And it was really two things. I say it's 
it is my faith, my, my faith walk and my physical walk meet, meet they meet together, mm-hmm. <laughs> they convert. Yeah. So it was amazing by the end of that year, how much my attitude had changed toward this, uh, toward my, uh, my abilities. Mm-hmm. I became so open about it where I, I even spoke to um, my students in the chapel about what it's like to have vision loss and to be persistent and keep moving forward, keep moving forward. So it was really an amazing year. Don't you find when when you're writing something like this, you're writing to share your story, but to educate other people, but how much in other people reading it back, the perception uh, teaches you then about things you haven't seen, even though you wrote the book. That's right. There, there are so many. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, it opens the book for dialogue for mm-hmm. other visionary people who are struggling with using a cane. Because yes. the, the big problem is there, there's a, a stigma in society when you use that. And it, it just, it's like you're screaming, I am blind, I am blind. Mm-hmm. And so you're, it, the fear is others will perceive that you can do much less. And now all of a sudden, you're just completely vulnerable. You know, that's the feeling that it has. And so a lot of people don't want to admit that they need to have a cane. And so like me, they just want to be clumsy. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they are just perceived as being clumsy. Right. And sometimes that's okay. People accept it. I accepted it for a long time. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, jingling. <laughs> mm-hmm. But when I really uh, started to use my cane, I, I, was making a statement and overcoming that fear is the big uh, hurdle for many, yes. many people. Yes. And, and you know, it's funny because what I find is uh, for a lot of people that I've interviewed that have developed that challenge, whether it be physical, mental or whatever, you know, that new adaption to who you are now, one of the biggest fears always was how others perceive them not about how they perceive themselves. It's always the reflection of others, which really has got nothing to do with anyone else. It's, right. it's how you see yourself and how you decide, you know, okay, that doesn't go to, it's not going to stop me doing A, B, and C. It just means I have to adjust the way I do it or how mm-hmm. I do it. And it's that journey for yourself because this is your own personal journey, isn't it? Into exploring your courage, your strength, and your new abilities, because one ability has stepped down. And if we didn't let so many other people's perception dictate to us, we would get on in that transfer, that transformation of who we are now a lot quicker. Absolutely. You know, that there is somebody, there is a quote, I remember it says, what others think of me is none of my business. Yes, yes, and it's very true. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, how long did it take you to actually register that? Probably a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when you did, you know, it became something that you realized, I don't need to do this for anyone else. I'm doing this for me. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. And it, the, I learned that using the, this cane gave me independence. It didn't take it away. That was a huge, yes. huge lesson. Yes. I mean, yes. It, it, see, it probably seems very 
uh, clear to other people. But when you are the one that has to take the cane and put it in front of you, it, it is such a huge, like, uh, about face, you know? Yeah. Is that was, a pussycat I hear in the background? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a great yeah. companion. Yes. And, and it's, it's funny how animals don't care whatever your challenge is. They, they just see you. They just love you. But it's also, they seem to know when you're down or, or needing that extra, isn't it? And they just come yes. up there with that extra hug, that extra kiss, that extra love. And it's, a, it's such a wonderful thing to have because of the nurturing side of it because yes you know your bravado your strength and your courage and this transition is wonderful but there are other days where you just want to curl up in a ball and cry and yes. ha having that love whether it be from an animal or from someone else you just need that to kind of fortify you and help you get back up and that's perfectly healthy and perfectly all right it's not for you to think oh, i failed no you're just giving yourself some nurturing that's right that's right. Yeah. And this cat also, for a while, she, it seemed like she was losing her vision. And so I took uh, like courage from my cat. It's kind yes. of strange. Yes, because they adapt. They use different senses again, right? Um, you know, it's like people losing a limb. They've, you know, the right limb and they were right-handed. They've got to learn with the left. Yes, it's going to be scrawl at first until you get to something that is legible. And I think that's a lesson for everyone in life, whether you're given you know, a challenge of disability, we're all disabled if we're not on our right path of who we are, you know, of who we're meant to be, what our instrument is, what our contribution is. And very often, um, this kind of redirect, as I call it in life, will lead you to discoveries, the self-discovery of who you really are. And Everybody that's taken that journey and got to that side of going, I'm very grateful for the journey. I'm very grateful for the redirect because who I am today and what I stand for and what I'm doing is truly me. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Has that been your journey? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 So are you still teaching or are you just writing now? What are you doing now? No, I stopped teaching a couple of years ago in 2012, actually, and I'm writing full-time. Mm -hmm. I am uh, speaking. So I'm writing, speaking, educating right now. Right. What is um, the book um, Seeking Solace about? Is it Seeking Solace? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Now, that book, ooh, I stopped writing for a while. I was writing the third mobility book in the series, and my mother... I, I was speaking, um, I was speaking at giving my first talk on memoir writing and I was out of town and my mother actually suffered a, um, a stroke. I was a, uh, massive stroke mm. and I just completely, um, I, I really went through a difficult time because I felt like I should have been there mm -hmm. for her. And I, I couldn't write anymore. I was just like writing. It was the thing that took me away from my mom. Mm -hmm. So I, for, for three months, I didn't do anything. And then I felt like uh, I need to guide my writing somehow. Yes. And my, I have a, a writing coach and she says, okay, think about the times that, that, that how have you been resilient in the past? Mm -hmm. So 
I started to think about it. When I lived in the United Arab Emirates, I had suffered some losses. Uh, I lost a set of twins mm. and I lost, uh, well, eventually I lost, I had a miscarriage, another miscarriage. And then I, I went through a divorce and then my father was diagnosed with cancer. And all of these things happened when I lived in the Emirates, in the United Arab Emirates, half a world away. Mm-hmm. So I thought, how did, how did God help me in these times? And going back and writing devotionals and journaling, I, I came to see how God helped me in all of these situations. By the end of the book, I felt like God was using that to help yeah. me get over my mother, the loss right. of my mother. Yeah. And, and, so, and I think, you know, the loss of your mother was also the trigger of all the other losses and being so far away because, you know, we suppress things. You know, in order to get on with life, we suppress it. And at some point, it has to be recognized. It has to be honored, and then it has to be released. doesn't mean you forget, you don't love, but you release the pain. And it takes another loss for you suddenly to realize all the other losses that at the time you just bucked up and got on with it, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. And so healing. So Seeking Solace is your healing book. Yes, it's very personal. It's very, uh, it's candid, and it, it it does. It just takes it go. It takes all of my losses. It puts it out there, so that because I know that other people are suffering them. Yeah. Suffering from them. And it just says God was there for me, and He will be there for you too. And that's that's the statement of it. The yeah, right, and that's you know it's. We you know whatever God people want to see is us. I have a, a wonderful host, um, a reverend, but you know his show is the world according to Gus, God, universe, and spirit. So it's whatever we want to address it as, but it's to understand we're not alone. There is a force yes, out there. Yes, yes. That, that when we partner with it, when we allow it to guide us, it will always lead us where we need to be, even into pain or even into struggle. That's not to punish you. You haven't sinned. It's part of your journey to go through, to discover your strength, to discover your uh, courage, but also to discover your meaningful purpose. And that's why that struggle is there. And knowing that kind of God is with you is your strength to never give up and always get up and go through the process, right? Yes, that's correct. Yes. So you've written a book about your father, The Tree Man. Yes. Well, I'm writing it now. It's not complete. I'm writing it now. But it's about his stories. My dad was a storyteller. He had a great sense of humor. And he had old vehicles that he made. He stretched out into limousines. He had all kinds of entrepreneurial skills. And so I want to write those stories He was and share them with everybody in my community, in the, the, the world at large, just, just to say that he lived a life of 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 dreaming of take, making his dreams come true mm. so my father was well respected in our area and he was just so easygoing you know he was a fireman he was a policeman he was a, a tree man he was a so uh, like a tree he cut down trees yes. he ha- uh, he had a nursery he, he, he had this, uh, the, the business where he used, he, we had a Model T, a 1925 Model T, and he mm-hmm. stretched it out into a limo, and then he used it to, he rented it out for proms. Right. And my, my older brother and my brother-in-law were the drivers. Uh, it was just like such a, a fun person. And right. And he 
and very innovative. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so people are always asking me, when's your dad's book coming out? When's your dad's book yeah. coming out? Then I'm, my younger brother kind of took over in his, in his footsteps and he works with wood, except he makes furniture. Right. So, so they're kind of, it's going to be like a, a, a book of dad's stories. And then it's going to be a pass, like a, a passing the legacy onto his children. Right. Yeah. But, you know, but so many people reading that book are going to see a resemblance to their own family. And, you know, it's a way of honoring your family, but it's also a reflection on other people's family, which makes them look at their parents, you know, the, the family that's gone before them in different eyes, which we need to do sometimes because we have to remember the advancements that we have today in the world have come from those that have journeyed before us through their creative innovation. So by sharing your memoir, it's going to trigger other people to look at their own families and, you know, be more in gratitude of those that set the path before us. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Now you've got a travel book also that's going to be coming up called Falling for Ecuador, one foot on the equator and the other on the vine. Tell us about that one. This one is... Well, this is actually this. I took this trip to Ecuador before I knew anything about my. It's called RP, the short term. Mm-hmm. It was before I knew anything about that. All I knew is that I couldn't see in the dark. That's the, right. the beginning sign of night blindness. And so I organized, we, I went to Quito on my own and I organized a trip to the jungle, interior jungle. And I met some people from different places of France and uh, uh, California, and anyway, I led this group. And so it's really about, a lot of, the, a lot of it's about the jungle itself, mm-hmm. and our, our quote-unquote adventures in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, 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 the vine, I was climbing a vine, and I couldn't see the next place, and I started to slide down. <gasps> so ah. that was quite the... Quite the Terrifying. Atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but like uh, there were different um, they, because that that those people were in the jungle. But then I met other I, because I was traveling alone, so I often struck up conversations with people. So I was in Quito, and I met other other people, and I had different adventures. And so it's the whole thing is about my adventures in Ecuador as uh, uh, dealing on the side with this night blindness or darkness or you know. So it's about. It, the message is you can travel, you can, you can pursue your dreams, and just live your life and yeah. have fun. You you know, know? It's knowing, no knowing your limitations, you know, being respectful of that. You know, um, it's, you know, knowing what you can and you can't do. Don't go and do what you know you can't do because, yes, you're going to fall down the vine, uh, you know, the crater or whatever. It's doing it within your parameters, but it's still saying, okay, I can't use that particular limb but let's see how this extends out and exploring those other options because so many people get labeled with something and uh, and then it's all of a sudden you can't do well no there's there's things that you can't do but now it's the exploration of what you can do because now you discover there's other things you can do that you've never utilized because you didn't need to right Mm -hmm. so it's it's discovering your abilities because you were so reliant to what you had before. You didn't look at those. Now you can't be reliant to that. Now you seek those abilities that you never thought were there. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's pretty, it's a pretty humorous book. And uh, all of my books have a lot of humor in them. Just, just because that's how I view life. Right. And I got Trestles falling over you, tripping over tracks, falling down vines. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a Monty Python skit. <laughs> yeah. 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 You must yeah. be very nimble, though. You know, um, you know. When unfortunately, when I fall, fall, I'm you know one of these people is completely flattened. But the fact that you can bounce back up again yes. is a blessing for you as well. Yes, it is. Yes, I'm quite resilient. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to I, you know, sometimes like, it was that the, the the bird that gets flattened and then kind of has, takes a minute. He finally gets back up. Yeah, <laughs> that's me. Yeah, yeah. I, I. Uh, it might take me a minute to get, just to stretch myself up again. Yes. <laughs> but I do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good for you. You know, it's the never give up, never give in. You know, it's just about mm -hmm. adjustment. It's just about redirection. You know, it's just knowing again yourself, how to honor yourself. You're yeah. not doing this for anyone else. You're doing this for you. And in inspiring yourself by what you're doing becomes an inspiration for someone else. Yes. And, you know, my family helps me a lot because they, they just let me do, they, they, they assume that I can do it. Right. So there is no, there's no feeling sorry for myself. It was like, no, like. The um, coddling. Yes, that's right. They are very, they were, you know, quite strong. <laughs> right. And they know that you'll ask if you really need help. That's right. Right. Yeah. How long did it take you to realize that sometimes you have to ask for things? Oh, it's this process. I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still, my pride is like, that's the, one of the most difficult things is pride. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's still a learning process. And I, I still, it's, I'm still uncomfortable having to ask people, but uh, I'm learning to be more open about what I need and, and what I don't need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an obstacle for me because I've always been the one being there for other people, help them pick back up. That's kind of what I do. And it's when I got flattened, had to crawl back up. It's A, I didn't want people to know I was flattened and depleted. Um, you know, I developed a disease of my own that kind of pulled the rug from underneath me. And, and it took me a long time because they didn't even know what it was to kind of recognize the, the do's and the, and the don'ts that I can do. And of course, you've got other people. Oh, yes, I suffer. I, suffer from something that has many points to it so somebody says, oh yeah, i have that point and i just do this and i just do that and it's like it we we have to go oh, that's wonderful for you but you have to do what honors your body and understand that if you push it too far you're going to be the one to pay the price no one else so it's right. knowing that partnership with what your challenge is and, and and also that that doesn't define me it's something i carry around and that's always going to be a part of me but i am still me doing what i love and being who i love being but this is just my challenge uh, and the parameters and we're in a good partnership because if you're not it will always flatten you won't it <laughs> yeah yes yeah the i think the challenge with hearing loss for me right now, hearing loss is, is more disconcerting than mm. my vision loss because with vision loss, you can kind of pretend like if, so, if somebody says, Oh, do you see that over there? Uh, when my, yesterday, my brother was asking me if I saw a plane or something and I said, Oh yeah, where, where was it? <laughs> I, 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 but you, 
cannot pretend with your hearing loss. You right. either hear, you don't. You either say, you can't answer yes or no question, a, a question if it's not yes or no. And so it's, there's a lot more limitations and it's a lot more frustrating. Yes. So I'm and, often... Yeah. You find crowds kind of the worst yeah. place. Yeah, I'm fine one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. But when I'm in a crowd and there's all that other noise, if I yeah. can't see your lips, I can't hear you. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't know that I was doing that right. until... Yes. And yes, absolutely. And the, the, sometimes my hearing aids make like it, everything's super, super loud. Yes. And then I have to like take them off. I'm like, ah, kids. my brother will say she has hearing aids <laughs> to explain to other people right. why I'm like, oh, I, you know, I, I cover my ears and other times I just can't hear. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going back and forth and it's really a struggle sometimes. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's in transition of changing. So, of course, it's going to be changing how you do it. I'm meant to wear hearing aids and I don't because I know that if I do, I'll be reliant on them completely. And really where I need them is not the one-on-one -on -one or in small groups. It's when you're out there where all that noise is on one platform and it's very hard to bring out the individual thing. And so, basically, I try not to put myself in those arenas. That's right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and sorry, that's too noisy for me. Uh, or when you're going, if you're a guest or going somewhere where it's like that, concentrate on looking at the person close to you so you can read those lips. Otherwise, let everybody else talk. <laughs> yeah. Adjustment. That is a, but you know, whether you're hand, handicapped or not with anything, we never go through life without having to adjust to a situation, whether it's a physical one, emotional one, or whether it's an environmental one. And if you're not willing to adjust and you always want to go back. Um, have you ever read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? Yes, yes. I right. I mean, I love it's, it's It's for two people, two mice. They all live around this cheese. And one day the cheese is gone. And then it's the reaction to the cheese. You know, give it back. I'm going to sue somebody. I'm not leaving until you give it back to me. Another one rather panicking. I have no idea what to do now. And sniffing and scurry, sniffing it out, scurrying it out. Oh, that cheese is gone. Let's go look for another. And it's four key personalities, which is also something I teach. And it's how we interact with life. And when we identify with what that is, we'll know, are we somebody who's just going to be the victim and go, why me and never, ever move on from it? Are we going to take a little while to learn how to adjust? Or are we going to be these people that are just going to adjust out and seek out or sniff out different ways of doing it? And it's, uh, I think it's a brilliant book. I recommend it to people. Uh, Rich, yeah. is it Richard Johnson, something Johnson, Spencer Johnson, MD. I think that's it, but highly recommend mm -hmm. the book. They yeah. also did a great one for children, beautifully illustrated. But um, mm -hmm. that's the thing is we have to learn to go with the flow and adapt, don't we? We do. That absolutely. And you know, it's overseas too, living overseas. Mm -hmm. I think that prepared me to adapt mm -hmm. because there's so many things you have to adapt to there. Yes. So, so that's what it, it, you know, that's what it was like for me was going to another country, like this, the vision impaired country. So yes. it's making, you know, where you feel comfortable, you've learned the culture, you've learned that, mm -hmm. you know, you're becoming more and more uh, confident that you can carry your, you know, carry yourself properly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that receiving thing, you know, it's very, very important. You know, I know how hard it is because you just don't want people to be treating you like a victim or you've been very self-sufficient and it's very hard now to receive. But the, I once found myself saying to somebody, but you, you know, why are you spurning the gift of my help? And then I realized it echoed back at me. Why am I spurning the gift of other people's help? Because I'm so fiercely independent. And we've got to understand that it's coming from somebody, you know, somebody's love, somebody's caring. And we must not slap that hand down. So learning to receive um, yes. is something that we really have to do, no matter what our challenge is, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the village mentality where everybody helps one another. Mm-hmm. So uh, writing, what kind of program do you do? Do you voice it? Well, I, I, I still have some vision, so I use one called Zoom Text. Mm-hmm. And it just changes the color background so that the, the, there's not a glare, so mm-hmm. I can see it better. I have to enlarge the letters. And, uh, it, and it works. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not yet. There, there are programs for uh, when you can't see the words, but I'm not yet at that point. Right. So, I can see, yes. so you can still see those words on that page manifesting, which is great. Yes. Uh, do they say you'll be completely blind or they, do they think that you're plateaued like this? They think, they say that it rare, now they say, before they didn't say that, but they, they say now that people rarely go completely 100% blind that it that you still maybe have a light perception mm-hmm. and that uh that there are that 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 you can retain a little bit you know so that's what the last doctor told me and and, and also for me there, i had this wonderful thing happen to me i i was trying to go back to go back with the bureau of blindness and visual services and you have to get document everything all over again when you've been away from them mm-hmm. so i'm like okay so i had to go to a doctor and say i have a, get him to write down that i have retinitis pigmentosa and when this doctor who was not a specialist looked at my eye he said your lens is off center you know you you have a it's slit or something i don't know mm-hmm. and i said oh my gosh i have to fix that because I, if if i if it's something i can fix i want to do it i'm already losing my vision and it took me it was a year and a half but we found a contact lens surgeon it wasn't my my lens that was off center it was something that happened because i had cataract surgery at an early age so it was a side effect from having that surgery that caused pigment to to go over this eye the my left eye and he in a series uh, my i had two a couple different doctors three actually and they were they say you have to go very slowly because you, you can lose your vision completely. I was completely blind in this eye. I couldn't even see the big E mm-hmm. in the, on the chart. So, and so, of course, I did all my seeing with my right eye. In four laser surgeries, he restored some of my central vision in this eye. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was so amazing. And it doesn't often happen with RP. So right. people keep losing, losing, losing. People don't gain. But because mm. it was a side effect, yes. it wasn't the RP that was causing that vision loss. So I went from not being able to see the big E to be able to, to going to see the third line down and in a, a, a span of one month. Wow. So yeah. it was 
Yeah. So now I, I see better than when I first started writing my book because this vision in the central part of my eye has been restored. Right. So of course uh, I'm, it's going to continue to, to lose. And yes. It starts out with peripheral and then it goes to central vision. But because he gave me that, I think it's going to happen more slowly. Yes. And, and, and gives you the now to do what you want to do and to enjoy. Right. So why not? Yes. yes. Uh, do people with your condition ever look to eye transplants? Uh, sorry? Eye transplants. Um, have you spoken to anybody about that? You know, literally having transportation, uh, transports of different eyes, of new eyes. Oh, oh yes, I have heard of that. Yes. But, I, have, I had a yeah. teacher, um, one of my children's teacher, and that, that she had two eyes uh, done and it changed her life completely because she was quite young and going blind. But, um, you know, is this something that you would consider or are you, could you be a candidate for it? Would you ever do it? I would. I, if it, if it, restored some of my vision if it gave me back more empowered me more yes yeah i would yes mm-hmm. i you know i know that I, she was very successful but you don't really hear about it too much you know and it's uh, i just don't know if it's just something that's not featured or not spoken about or just not done very much but you know i think for people to have an open mind right that you know if you can yes. do it if you are a candidate for you uh, for it to to have an open mind uh, to its possibility because uh, why not right right that's right yes i i whatever is open to science i mm-hmm. think is a positive thing you know right so. do you wear glasses i had a, a pair of glasses with a, a a special lens connected outside it and I wore that for a while. And sometimes they help me in, at night, but I rarely do that because it, it makes so little difference. Mm-hmm. So I rarely, and sometimes when I'm wearing it and I walk into the wall or something, people are like, what is she doing? Yeah. <laughs> so is your policy not to go out at night if you can help it? No, I still go out. You do? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just use my, I rely more on my cane and right. Yeah. And, and yeah. especially right now it's with the darkness coming at five to five o'clock. Yes. So yeah, this is the, the downtime where you have l- less light, but I still go and you know, I just, I just say, well, I'm not going to let this stop me because right. you have to live your life. Exactly. I was actually thinking last night, kind of, you know, after the, the other show I did on blindness and your show coming up, I was lying in bed and I suddenly thought, well, has anybody come up with like a, a GPS, a GPS for the cane yet? You know, something that speaks to you, to your left, to your right, ahead, or anything like that. Is there anything like that? Yes, there is, actually. There is. Uh, I talked to my, um, uh, well, he's a senior retin- retinal specialist, and he said that they, they, they do make them nowadays. They have so many different kinds of canes, and they're, and they're, and they're becoming, like, a lot of people are, are designing new ones. Mm-hmm. So they're becoming very, uh, oh my gosh, so many different things that, that, that help you with your cane. Uh, smart canes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're talking about, yes. And I think that's something that's pretty brilliant because if you've got something, you can just put it in your ear and, and it's, you know, saying what's ahead of you, avoiding curb ahead. Uh, you could even just plug in where you're going and have it guide you, right? Yes. Which <laughs> would be a great yes. asset. That's what yeah. they have with this ERA, A-I-R-A. Uh, it's a, uh, an app that mm-hmm. you can use in the airports. You can use in large, in large 
areas. And it's, it's pretty amazing. That's what I used in the supermarket when I was trying it out. Mm -hmm. Right. It's so that's on your phone. But if it was actually in the cane as well, where the cane can yeah. pick out yeah. within a radius of what's around it, would yes. be really incredibly uh, beneficial. Um, in a pre-warning. Right. Don't wait until you're tripping over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, and the dog too. That guy's yes. dog. Yes. Yes. Pretty amazing. Uh, do you do you have a dog? Um, I seen dog. Not yet, but that's where I'm go I'm headed. Yes. You yeah. have to have good cane skills, and once you you know, and so I'll probably brush up on my cane skills, and I will uh, get a dog. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, the added thing to that is the wonderful companionship. You know, and kind of somebody who's got your back. You know, I think it, it's wonderful. You know, I did a show on companion dogs, you know, for veterans, for post-traumatic stress and, and how it right. gave them back their life, you know. And it's so, you know, obviously you're a very strong woman, but for some people who are a little more vulnerable to stress, you know, being blind, navigating out there can be a challenge. So having that dog that, you know, is out there being your protector, but also going home and understanding, you know, that need and that love, I think it would, is very important. So it's, um, there is no one size that fits all, is there? You know, you have to really explore yourself, right. your parameters, what you can and cannot do. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I've known a lot of blind people in my life, some that were born that way, some that became that way. And it was always very interesting to see life from their perspective because the, the perception of life was far more in tuned in many ways than us where we're seeing, because we, we believe everything we see. And, you know, and I think when you don't see and you have to see with the inner eye, you are going to deduce the knowledge in a different way. So in some ways, it can be a gift because it gives you a different form of sight. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I think you're right. It can be a gift. And, and you, have, you look past a lot of surface level things. Yeah. 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 Look deeper. Right. Wonderful connection to it. So my dear, will you tell people how they can find your books and uh, where, where you're selling them and also how people can get hold of you for any guest speaking or, you know, just want to reach out to you. They can go to, uh, my website is amyover.com. Can you spell a that for people, please? Yes. It's A, alpha, M, Y, B as in boy, O, V as in Victor, A, I, R, d.com and so my books are available there they're also available at amazon.com and audible.com all three books they're available regular print large print audio and on request in braille Excellent. i have a yeah i have someone who transcribes them for me so they're also available there. You know, that's uh, what a wonderful gift to someone who is facing that early challenge, you know, yes. but also a gift to people who know somebody who's blind or just who's generally interested in it, because we have to understand your redirect your challenge in, you know, now seeing without sight. Um, if the family have read these things as well, you know, the, yeah. the yes. disability one and, and even, you know, the, 
the confessions one, it gives them more empowerment of how to treat somebody that's going through this and also what their role is in it. Because so often people stay away or go and do too much because they just simply don't understand. Oh, you know, or treat somebody as a victim rather than this is a, a life challenge that they're adapting to. So I think if they can really hear the story from somebody who's living it, who's ahead of the game, it helps them understand their role in someone's life that is uh, that is blind or even you know partially blind. Yeah, that's that's true. So many uh, um, vision impaired people have read this and told me the same thing about their families' under, better understanding. As the first book as well as they came to terms with their cane and how their the, 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 just all of the the thought process as you try to adjust that has been uh, really well accepted by the vision impaired people. Oh, I've been there. I've done that. I've, yes. I've had. Same thing. And then the second one, as you said, is a really big educational tool. And the third one, Seeking Solace, is really about loss itself. Mm -hmm. It's any kind of loss, going through change and looking for the positive in, in any kind of, of loss, yeah. which hope that people can relate to because a lot of people go through divorce. A lot of people have lost a, a close family member. So I think that Optimism is one of the thing, one of the aspects that is always present in my book. That no matter what you're going through, there's always there's always at some point a brighter side. Yes, <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. Right? <laughs> it, it is true, even though you go really <laughs> to the depths. Yeah. Yes. I have yeah had a lot of really terrible things happen, but. Um, yeah, I believe that. It does and then they will say there's always something for a reason. And, you know, at the time yeah. you go through, well, you know, why me or what the hell could this reason be? Yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Sometimes it's just to, to take you to, because <coughs> some people don't survive the challenge. You know, some people give up and, you know, they say many, many people when they're diagnosed with cancer die, uh, die from the diagnosis, not the cancer. Really? You know, yeah. and uh, because oh, I'm going to die, I'm given up instead of okay, I've got uh, cancer as a challenge, what am I going to do to beat it? And so, we go down to attitude a great deal. And if you have that positive attitude and you choose to be optimistic, uh, learn from it, and just look at it as an adventure, you know, of, of exploring a different side, a different journey, and not as something that's out to get you, you know, um, or that you know, you did something bad in your life and it's now here to punish you. No, it's your life challenge to embrace who you are and what you're here to do and just to find out actually how awesome you really are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not to just say that it's really, you know, you just turn your head and go through it. It's you are down at certain parts. Yes, and, and let yourself be. Give yourself a hug. Embrace, let others hug and support you at that time, right? Yes. You know and how you can't stay up all the time. That's false. Yes. That's you know, right. you, you know that vulnerability is that nurturing yeah. time that you have to give yourself. That's, that's right. And my books are very vulnerable. They, they show all of my flaws. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they show where I have not been up, but they show also resilience. Yeah. So, yeah. And so we've all got that in us if we choose to seek it, right? We've got it in us. That's what the life's journey is all about. You know, the, the ups and downs, the roller coasters, you know, the, the two by fours, all of that. It's all here to test your strength, your courage for you to step into 
that conscious awakening to actually understand what your instrument is and how it belongs to the orchestra of life. And if yeah. you're not willing to walk it, or you willing, or you get stuck in victim mode or blame mode or shame mode, um, you're just not going to be able to move forward. So a positive attitude, resilience, asking for help, accepting help, and even pushing your challenges of how much more you can do is really the key factors that you need, isn't it? That's correct. And the, you were mentioned uh, the two by fours. I have had my share of two by fours. Mm, you definitely have. <laughs> yes. But you, but you keep mean, getting back up, physical, right? Physical was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, the brains are splattered, but you just pick them back up and put them back in and go, okay, next. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's the getting back up. It's the getting back up, you know, and yeah, you might be a bit wobblier, um, but it's the getting back up that counts, you know, not staying down. And that's, that's really what it's about. So. The, is, people can also find me on Facebook. Uh, I have an author page, Amy Bobert author. They can find me there. And um, my website. Yeah. And yeah, they can find those three places. I have Amy Bovaird and then my personal page and my Amy Bovaird author page. Right. And, and yeah, and of course your website, Amy Bovaird, and of course the Mobility Matters Amazon, Mobility Matters Audio.com, Kane Confessions Amazon, Kane Confessions Audio, Seeking Sonus Amazon, Seeking Sonus Audio. Uh, yes, right, right. So yes. yeah, they're all yeah. there here on the page, but for those who are just listening and uh, um, you know, these, these books are something wonderful to read that they clearly, uh, you know, are going to take you through the emotional journey as well, which is okay because we're always yeah. going to find something of ourselves in somebody else's journey. And yes. then we, we come out with a better understanding, not of your disability, but of your ability to overcome your challenge. And, That's you know, it's an invitation for us to, to go, well, if she can do it, why can't I do it in my own life with my own challenges, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. Which is really important. Inspiration, biggest invitation. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing your story with us here, Amy. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. It was just wonderful. And wonderful to, to see such resilience, such determination, and just, you know, embracing that redirection. You know, as you said, you've had a lot of two-by-fours, rugs pulled underneath you, but you kept getting back up no matter what was thrown at you. So I hope that it's smooth sailing for you from now on, that you've had your share and that you can just keep on writing and being inspirational for other people and enjoy your life, you know, at this level without it going any darker for you. So thank you so much for being here today and sharing with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share my message. Uh, it's a very inspirational one and folks you know somebody out there that's got some form of challenge learning about what the challenges are is respectful it teaches you um, how to treat other people and uh, not to assume because assumption is very dangerous so go and get wised up and remember when you're stepping up and asking someone for help in a way that doesn't make them feel small but just in helping them to be large of who they really are so until next time folks it's bye for now for more wonderful shows like this please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com podcasts and see our lineup and if you wish to support us we have a funded button please stay tuned for our next show
For more wonderful shows like this, please go to selfdiscoveryradio.com, podcasts and see our lineup. And if you wish to support us, we have a funded button. Please stay tuned for our next show.